Okay, so who has seen the movie? Superman? Seen it? Perfect. That's the response I was hoping for, actually. No. I, I have to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't really care for movies like this. I, I didn't grow up reading comic books and stuff like that. So it's just not that big a deal to me. Now I love the Lawn Ranger. And the Lone Ranger comes out later this summer. I can't wait for that to come out because I was a big Lone Ranger fan. Uh, but I just never really cared much for the superhero kind of movies. They, don't just, they just don't do that much for me. But what I do like about at least the concept of it, and, and you can find it in Superman more than the others, I think, even. There is this idea that the world needs a hero. And that's not just an idea, by the way. That is the truth. Not just a hero, not someone to just be heroic, but a savior. We need a savior. One of the things I love about movies in general is that they have a way of trying to tell the stories that God is trying to say to the world. You know, the whole, uh, like Star Wars, you can see it really easily in that movie when you've got the struggle between good and evil and the force being with you and the Holy Spirit and God is the good team and Satan and uh, the demons, they are the, the empire, they are the bad team. The, these struggles between good and evil, the fact, not just the idea that we need a Savior, all of those are biblical ideas and truths. And as human beings, we show this stuff in our media because we know it is true that we need a Savior, that the world needs a Savior, that we need help. And what we know as the church is that Jesus Christ is our Savior. You know, isn't it true that no matter how strong a person is, he or she also has weaknesses? Isn't that true? For example, you can be super strong physically, but maybe spiritually or morally you are a weakling. I mean, even Superman, we know that he has his kryptonite. Strong people have weaknesses. Uh, Guys, I want to tell you something. I'm excited about today's message. And and I want to tell you this, just as we get started. This is kind of my disclaimer. God really put this on my heart last night. Not the message. The message written long before last night, but it really pressed this on on my mind and in my heart. You know, there are churches all over our country today where fathers are getting their rear ends kicked right now. They're hearing about how bad they are. They're not doing a good enough job. They're not getting things done. I mean, men in general probably are taking a lot of punishment for not doing things the right way well there there could be some room for that and you know the truth is guys i'm just going to say this i'm going to say a few things actually today like there are no women in the room the truth is every now and again we need to have our rear end kick but there are times when we just need to be encouraged and so today i'm not here to tell us that we're not doing enough or that we're not doing this right or that right. I want to encourage us. That doesn't mean that everything I'm going to say in today's message is easy. 
It doesn't mean that some of it is not a little bit sharp. It doesn't mean that there are not going to be some moments in today's message where God doesn't just reach out into your heart and really, you know, yank on you. I expect that to happen. But more than anything else, I want to encourage you today. Here's what I want to start with. I believe that God wants to do something superhuman in your life. I believe He wants to do something superhuman in your life. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say it this way. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you follow Him, if Jesus lives in your heart, you already have the potential on the inside of you through the powerful Spirit of God to do things that are supernatural and beyond anything that you ever imagined for your life. You have the potential for greatness in your life. Not because you're really tall, or really short, not because you're really physically, powerfully strong, or you're just overly intelligent. It doesn't have anything to do with those things. But if you have Jesus in your life, you have the potential for greatness. And this is important. It's important. It's a whole lot more important than a Superman movie. It's important because we're in trouble. Our country's in trouble. Our world is in trouble. The family is in trouble. And we're in trouble because there is a shortage. Listen to me, guys. There is a shortage of godly men in our world today. It's not a new problem. It's a biblical problem. It's an historical problem. I want you to look at our first verse today. It's Ezekiel 22 verse 30. And let me just tell you, while you're looking at that verse, I think it's going to be coming up on our screen. Uh, you're going to need to pull out your message notes today to follow along because the way I normally like to teach is to say, hey, here's a big chunk of the Bible and we're going to go through it and unpack it and hear what God has to say to us through it. But um, I'm just going to be in, um, well, I'm teaching on the life of Samson today and his story is told between the uh, Judges 13 and 16, and so obviously I can't read all of that or would be here until next Sunday or at least uh, late today, and, and I know that time doesn't permit. So we're just going to move around in some different places, but we want to begin today with Ezekiel 22.30. Do you have it? God says to His people who are in exile in Babylon, when He's offering some explanation for why they are living as slaves, in another country. He said, I looked, L-O-O-K-E-D, I looked, past tense, among them, among the people, among the men, and who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. I looked for someone. I looked for someone who would rebuild the walls. I looked for a reason not to have to send my punishment. 
but I found no one. Now listen, when God is talking about a wall here, He's not talking about a wall that's made of brick and mortar. He's talking about a spiritual wall. And He's saying that there are no faithful people who have united together to resist evil. There's no one who will lead the people of God back to God. Now listen to me. Listen. They were religious. They were religious. The people of God were religious. And so, they tried to fill in some of the gaps, so to speak, with meaningless rituals. Things that uh, they practiced as a people of faith, but had lost their meaning. They tried to fill in the gaps with sermons that were based on opinions, but not the Word of God and the will of God. So here's what happened. They put a band-aid over their spiritual wound. They were hemorrhaging. They needed serious surgery. They needed big major help, but they just put band-aids over it. Or when they needed uh, someone to build that spiritual wall, in a way of speaking, they just put some bricks around it and put a veneer there. It looked okay on the outside, but on the inside, where it really mattered, it was hollow and weak. Does that sound familiar? The world has never been more lost than it is right now. Nor has it ever been more religious. What those people needed then were leaders. Men who would lead their families back to a true faith in God. And again, guys, I'm just going to tell you like it is because that's just the way I am. We're in trouble. In America, we're more pagan than we are Christian. It's not that we're just holding ground. We're backing up and we have been for a while. Our country's in trouble. Our world is in trouble. Unless you think it's a political problem, I want to tell you that it is a spiritual problem. It's a faith problem. We need some men who will be serious with God. We need some men of integrity and courage. God is looking for, listen, God is looking for men who will serve their brides the way Jesus has served His bride. Jesus is looking for a man who will serve His bride to the point that He gives His life for her the way Jesus has served His bride, the church, and giving His life for us. Guys, look at me. Look at me. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you today. But God is looking for some men who will teach their kids the Word of God. Not, not only how to hit a curveball. Not only how to throw a tight spiral. Not, not only how to hit a nice tee shot, but men who will lead their kids to the Lord. He's looking for men who will change their neighborhoods, change their community, change the city they live in, change the state 
change our nation, change the world because we are putting our families back on a path that leads toward God and not away from Him. And I believe this, man, with all of my heart, that He wants to use some men in this room to begin to change the world. That's not just something that preachers say on Father's Day. Maybe some do. But that's not what I'm doing. Like I said, today we're going to look in the life of Samson in the Bible. Have you ever heard of Samson? Just raise your hand if you've heard of Samson. Physically, he was the strongest man who ever lived. But spiritually, he was a weakling. He had the potential to be a great man, a superstar for God. He was a special child. If you were to look at his life on the outside, uh, looking in, you would think that he had everything going for him. He had good looks. He was strong. He had a solid, godly family. Supernatural strength. He had a killer mullet. His life was blessed. But it was his spiritual weakness and his moral flaws that destroyed him. As a young man, he took what's called a Nazarite vow, which means that he was completely committed to God. But he did what a lot of us do in our lives. When we hit those teenage years, we have a way of going out and doing our own thing. That's what Samson did. He went out and did his own thing eventually. And he did things. This is part of the warning men, especially our young men in the room. He went out and did things in his life that weakened the foundation of his life. And those things eventually destroyed him. And the result of the things that he did in his life was that his strength was taken from him. He lost his honor. He lost his place and his position. And ultimately, it took his life. And as I look at the story of Samson, there seem to be, to me, three major weaknesses in his life that I want us to look at today. Because I think they are the same three weaknesses that men struggle with today in the 21st century. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn from those weaknesses. You know, they say that um, experience is the best teacher. Have you ever heard that? You heard that old saying? It's not true. It's not true. Evaluated experience can be the best teacher. I mean, because if you keep reliving the same experience over and over and over again, what have you learned? Nothing. Well, Samson's life is like a warning to us. It's it's like a big lesson. And so we're going to evaluate his life and we're going to learn some things from his life so that we can become men of steel. Now, where where are... um, I don't know if I should ask. Hmm. Single ladies in the house, raise your hand. Where are you? Just raise them, hold them up. All you single guys, you ought to be looking around. Just raise them up. I know it's a little bit embarrassing. Just raise them up. Raise them up. Even if you have a boyfriend, just hold them up. Even if you have a a boyfriend, just just raise that hand up. And I know that some of you, you're not going to raise your hand no matter what I say. And that's all right. That's all right. You can put them down now. I, I I want you to listen to this message today. 
you should pick a husband or a boyfriend. Let's start there. Let's start with boyfriends. He said, you should pick a boyfriend. You should pick a husband based on more than a nice personality or money or great looks or a lot of time. It needs to be based on something solid. I just want you to lean in this morning. I want you to catch some of this. I want you to look for what are some weaknesses that you can find in men. This ought to be red flags for you. All right, is everybody leaning in this morning? Everybody? Everybody? Leaning in? Got your message notes out? Here we go. Here is the first of three areas of weakness in Samson's life. The first one is lack of self-control. I wish I didn't have to preach from this one. But it's true. Samson had a lack of self-control in his life. And specifically, what I'm talking about is he had an undisciplined life. And anything that's in your life that is uncontrolled, it will weaken you. That can be how you spend your money. It can be your sex life. And men, let me tell you something, that the desire you have in you for sex, that's not something that has been... um, manually created inside of you. God put that inside of you, but He's given you parameters for how to enjoy it to its maximum potential. But sex can be a weakness in your life. Food, alcohol, even things like how you manage your time, your emotions, we'll see that in Samson's life as well. Those things have to be controlled. Listen to me. All of us, All of us, all of us struggle with some area of self-indulgence that's either out of control or on the verge of being out of control. And when we first run into Samson in Judges chapter 14, we find out that his weakness is for women. Let me read you some verses from Judges 14, verses 1 through 3. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go and get her for my wife. Because back then, almost all marriages were arranged by parents. He's saying, I found a hottie that's really turned my head. Go down and get her. She's the one I want. His parents speak back to him. Huge warning. There's big blinking signs going off here. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? And I don't have time to go into the our relatives part of things. You just insert your favorite state or you insert your favorite little town or city. You make that sound however Gaston County you want to. No, I'm 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 kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Listen, I grew up in West Charlotte. I mean, what can I say? But... Just let that slide for now. The second part of that verse, the dad says, must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. You know what he's saying? In so many words, he's saying, I don't want to marry one of the good girls from around here. 
I don't like the way they dress as much as these pagan women. They dress better. I like the way they dance. I like the way they do their hair. I like their makeup. I like the way they look. They don't have the same moral codes to live by there as we have here. I, I want her. I want her. Now look at Judges 16.1, also in your notes. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night. Do you see this pattern in Samson's life? See where he's indulging in women? And I will say this too, the wrong kind of women. And he indulged himself into a deviant lifestyle with these women. And he lived for his own pleasures. Men, listen to me. He... he Decided it doesn't matter what God says about who I'm supposed to marry. It doesn't matter what God says about the kind of person I ought to be dating. It doesn't matter what my parents say about this. I don't care. I want this woman. I'm going to do my own thing. And so he did his own thing. But guys, listen. He paid a heavy, 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 Christ for it. The first big lesson that we learn from Samson's life is that strong people control their desires. Strong people control their desires. Samson, Samson's sexual desires were out of control and it made him weak. And here's the danger. In Samson's life, as he's dealing with Delilah, the woman who finally brings him down there were red flags. There were warning signs that should have made him wake up and run in the opposite direction. And young men, let me tell you something. That sometimes is your father's voice. Run away. There were warning signs. There were warning voices in his life. He should have run the other way. But the lack of self-control in the area of sexual lust it blinded him to the dangers of sin. He was out of control. The Bible says in Proverbs 25-28, in a great book of wisdom, that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And walls around cities today are built for looks, but in those days it was built for protection. And so God is saying that if there are no boundaries in your life, then you are vulnerable to attack. So the first weakness in Samson's life was the lack of self-control. But here's the second one. Bitterness. Bitterness will weaken your life. When you look at the life of Samson, you can see that a lot of his life is filled with anger and resentment. He's always mad about something. You ever met a, a, a person like this. doesn't have to be a man. It could be a woman. They're always mad about something. They're like a terrorist in the office. You, you can see them sometimes on Facebook or out on Twitter. They're hothead. Bad temper. Out of control. Samson lived his life that way. He was always out of control. And listen, guys, he thought that being boisterous, being the loudest guy in the bar, being the toughest guy out on the ball field, he, taught, he thought that that made him strong, but in reality, it made him weak. It 
at the end of chapter 14 in the book of Judges, we learn that Samson's anger at one point was so out of control that he killed 30 men just to take their clothes off of the men and use the clothes as payment for a gambling debt. That's out of control. Listen to Samson in his own words. He says in Judges 15.3 to the Philistines, this time I have the right to get even. I've got the right to get even. I'm really going to punish you. In verse 7 he says, since you have acted like this, I swear, I swear that I will not stop until I get my revenge on you. The historian who wrote the book of Judges probably the prophet Samuel said that Samson attacked the Philistines viciously and slaughtered them all. And listen to me, here's part of the warning. Samson did what many of us do when we kill people, not not physically, but I mean when we kill them with our words, when we kill them with our actions. He said, I'm only doing to them what they did to me. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them back. I hate Facebook. Gossip book, brag book, crack book. But I'm on there. I keep telling myself, you know, I'm a pastor. I have to keep up with it. I hate it. I was on there this morning for church. And there is there's a couple out in our in our community, and you, you won't know who they are. But they're 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 separated. They're splitting up. She wants to split up, and he doesn't, because she has all the power. And and she posted this morning. I guess it was said, I'm so thankful for the people who are in my life and I'm so thankful for the people I've kicked out of my life. Really? That necessary? Any reason to be hurtful like that? On Wednesday nights, we've been studying the book of 1 Samuel. And when much of 1 Samuel deals with Saul and David. And uh, Saul has all kinds of problems. He's a life that's out of control. David living his life under control, under God's control. And Saul is a spear thrower. Twice he's thrown spears at David to try to kill him. God's anointed man, the one who will one day be the king of Israel. And at least twice, David has the opportunity to kill Saul. He didn't do it. And I think that if you look at the lives of these men, one of the reasons that God pulled His hand off of Saul's life is because Saul was a spear thrower. He wanted to hurt and kill. And David refused. 
I think that's why God knew that David had the kind of heart in a man that he could trust. Some of you are here today and you're struggling with anger. You've got anger built up in your life. And maybe it's anger toward your father. Because maybe you grew up with a father who was just not there or he did unspeakable things. Or maybe you're mad at a mother who didn't know how to be a nurturing mother or she just looked the other way when you were being abused. Maybe you're angry at an ex-spouse or you're angry at God or... Uh, It's some friend that you had that betrayed you in some way. Warning. Warning. Listen, this is a warning. That anger in your life will turn to bitterness. And that bitterness will ferment in your life and it will turn you into a killer. You'll become a person who hurts other people because of your own bitterness and your own anger. I'm not telling you you don't have a reason to be angry. I'm not even telling you that you ought to go and uh, try to make peace with someone who has abused you. But for right now, today in this message, I'm telling you that you have to figure out how to deal with that anger and move it out of your life before it turns to bitterness. Here's the second lesson from Samson's life. It is that strong people restrain their emotions. Proverbs 29.22 says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sins. Samson's life can be summarized with one word. Uncontrolled. You ever heard of Alexander the Great? Show of hands. Still with me? Alexander the Great. A tremendous leader in many ways. By his mid-30s, he had conquered the known world but he had a terrible temper. And one day out of a fit of rage, he killed his leading general who was also his best friend. And after he realized what he had done, he just put his hands over his face and screamed out in despair, I have conquered the world, but I cannot conquer my soul. It was his undisciplined life that led to his downfall. And there was a rage in him that just could not be soothed. He let it ferment in his life and grow out of control. Proverbs 29.11 says that fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. The fools vent their anger. Sometimes I'll hear someone say, I'm just venting. Or, hey, I just tell it like it is, so I'm, I'm venting. No. You might be bitter. You might be a horse's backside. I don't know. The Bible says that fools vent their anger. But the wise quietly hold it. And then, here's the third thing in Samson's life that made him weak. It was his carelessness. 
He was careless. His strength came from God, but he constantly misused it. He was always abusing it. He was careless. His power came from a commitment that he had made when he was a young boy, when he made a Nazarite vow. And the vow in his life included things like no alcohol, and he had to be on a special diet, and his hair could not ever be cut. Now, Samson's hair usually is what gets depressed in his life. But his real strength was not from the fact that he just had long hair. The hair was a symbol of a commitment that he had made to God. It was a symbol of his vows. It let everybody who saw him around him know that, hey, he's a Nazarite. He's made a vow to God. And then every time he looked at his seven braids in the mirror, or when they would fall around his shoulders, he would remember that he's made a commitment to God. And that commitment is this, God, I'm going to live for you for my whole life. I'm going to live for you. But the problem with Samson is that he walked away from his vows. He sold out. He compromised. He didn't take God seriously. He took God and His strength for granted. He lived like everything was a big game. He lived like he was a playboy. He lived like he had a life of privilege. For him, it was all about having fun and a good time. He was irresponsible and careless when it came to his commitment to God. You can see this in his relationship with Delilah. In the famous barbershop episode, you already know that Samson had a weakness for women. Three different chapters, three different women. Delilah, the one who brought him down, she had made a deal with the Philistine leaders who were the arch enemies of God and His people. And the deal was that for about $25,000, which was a ton of money in that day, she would find the secret of Samson's strength. Why? So that they could kill him. And four different times, Delilah came with bribes. And wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that after she had come a couple of times, he'd be like, okay, everything's not just right here? Because he, she would ask him, what is it, Sam? No, nah, I'm not even going to try to talk in Delilah's voice, but you just add the sultry, pouty, sexy, whatever kind of voice there that she probably used. Tell me what makes you strong. And so he would tease her, and he would say, let's this, or let's do that, or you buy me up with new cords, that'll be the thing that does it. And uh, each time, she would call out for the Philistines, and they would come in, and Samson would just break off the ropes and kill the men who had come in to kill him. So when you think, after a couple of times, he'd be like, hey, maybe this woman doesn't have my best interest in mind. And so you could say that he has more brawn than brains. But let me tell you what's really going on. Each time he was tempted, he compromised a little more. And it was his compromises over time that made him weak to the point that he eventually told Delilah, it's my hair that makes me strong. So she put him to sleep. Once he was asleep, she sent for the barber. He came in with a razor and shaved off seven braids. And then once more, she called out for the Philistine leaders. 
he woke up thinking like each time before he would just shake himself free. But the second part of verse 20 in Judges 16 says, but he did not know that the Lord had left. That's one of the most tragic verses in the whole Bible. He did not know that the Lord had left him. He was unaware that over time, his lifestyle of compromise was weakening him little by little. And so listen, his destruction was a gradual process. Nobody ever starts out in life by saying, uh, I'm going to be a failure. Last week when we recognized some high school graduates, and I know we have some big time college graduates in the room right now, they're not thinking, wow, you know, um, I find that book that teaches me how to be a failure in life. No, they're starting life with high hopes. They're expecting and wanting the best. Nobody ever says, I'm going to get addicted to prescription drugs. I'm going to become a drug addict. Nobody ever says, I'm going to start watching this pornography until I'm hooked and I become an addict. Nobody ever starts out their life by saying, I want to be an alcoholic. Those things happen a little at a time. Nobody ever begins a flirtatious relationship with a coworker thinking, hey, I'm going to have an affair that will destroy my family. Nobody does that. It happens a little at a time. And listen to me. Listen. It's the little things. It's the small steps. It's a compromise here, a compromise there that leads you away from God. And one day you wake up in your sin and you realize I'm so far away from God. How do I even find my way back home? And here's the lesson. Strong people keep their commitments. That's where it began to break down with Samson. It's when he stopped keeping his commitments. Strong people protect their commitments. They, they don't get slack and careless with their commitment to the Lord. You've heard the old saying that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Well, a person is only as strong as his or her weakest commitment. What are you committed to? What are your commitments? Are you committed to the Lord? Are you committed to a church? Are you committed to your family? What are you committed to? Are you committed to the right things? Samson was only committed to one thing. One thing. Himself. And men, I said I didn't come to kick you in the teeth today, but listen to me. As someone who is on the tail end of the baby boomer generation and on the very front end of the buster generation, which just means I don't really fit in anywhere. I'm just kind of stuck in the gap. The biggest problem that I see with the men in the generation in front of me and the one coming behind me is that the generation in front of me, those men were committed to the wrong Things. It was things they were committed to. And the generation coming behind me, those men are committed to themselves. It's all about me. Samson was selfish and immature. 
totally undisciplined. And he did everything he wanted to do. And guys, listen to me. The, the deceitfulness of it all is, is that he thought he was the one in charge until one day he woke up and realized he was a slave. Discipline in your life will set you free, but if your life is undisciplined, you will be a slave to your desires. Want to know what happened to Samson? One verse, Judges 16.21 Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They sent him to grinding grain like a horse in prison. He's lost everything. Listen to me. Sin will take you to places you never meant to go. It'll keep you longer than you meant to stay. It will strip the things of true value away from your life. The story with Samson, it does not end there. His life, it's like a warning to us. But it's also a message of hope. The Philistines gathered up one night. They're going to have a big banquet, a big party. They're all getting hammered. That's kind of my translation. The Bible says something that sounds a little bit better. But that's what's going on. They're getting wasted drunk. And like pagans often do, they wanted to show that their gods were greater than the gods of the people they've captured. Like Belshazzar, when he saw the writing on the wall in the book of Daniel. Someone said, hey, go and get Samson, the great uh, champion of Israel. He'll entertain us. They brought Samson in. He was led in by a servant holding his hand because his eyes have been gouged out. And after he entertained the people to rest, he asked the servant boy if he would put him between the two pillars. Verse 28 of chapter 16 says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, and this is how he began. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Sovereign Lord, remember me. In that prison, grinding in a mill like an animal, he had time to think. And yes, his eyes were gouged out, but God had given him spiritual eyes so that he could see God. And he had time to think and reflect on his life and the mess he had made of it. And he, like the prodigal son, came to his senses and he prayed, Sovereign Lord, remember me. In other words, this is a man who's gone through some stuff. He thought as a younger man, he had it all together, that he was the strong man. And he realized that many times he was weak and that his weaknesses became greater than his strength. He realized when he had thought he was sovereign in his life that there is only one sovereign God. And he called out to that God in his time of need and despair and just said, remember me. And so his story becomes one of hope. Because what happened is that while Samson was doing it his own way, 
living for himself, forgetting about God, not following through. God never gave up on him. Here's what that means for you and me. It means that no matter what a mess you've made out of your life, while you can't go back and redo it, you can start over. It just requires that you say, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Because while you've been out in the world doing your own thing, living any way you want to, not really keeping your commitment to God, maybe it was a vow that you made to Him when you were a little boy, but you've gone out and you've done it your own way. God hasn't forgotten about you. Samson did the moving, not God. God didn't move away from Samson. Samson moved away from God. Some of you this morning, you think that you are a long way off from God, and what you need to realize this morning is that you're the one that's moved, not God. But let me tell you this too, God pursues us. One of the greatest pictures of Jesus in the whole Bible is in Revelation chapter 3. When Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You'll open the door, I'll come in. And we'll have fellowship. Jesus is at the door of your heart. He hasn't gone anywhere. He still loves you. You just need to call out to him this morning and say, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Do that. Let's stand together. And I want to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. Don't start packing things up. We're almost done, but not, not just yet. I want you to do business with God. This is the life-changing part. This is where you have an opportunity to respond back to God. And some of you today, you hear God speaking to you very loudly, very clearly. And he's saying, I love you. I'm here. I've always been here. But what you need to say this morning, I'm not saying that you have to say it out loud, but you can say it right now in your heart and your mind. What God already knows, and that is that you've just moved away from him. You made a commitment to Him one time a long time ago. You just haven't followed through. Okay, so you've made a mess of things financially. You've made a mess of things relationally, physically, sexually. God says, okay, we can deal with all that. We can start over. To take the opportunity today to start again. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done in life, no matter what's been done to you, just begin again. Begin again right now. And here's how you do that. Just in prayer, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just in your own words, you say to God, God, you've not always been first in my life. Maybe you would say to him something like, I've let my own ambitions stand 
in the way of what you want for my life and you want what's best for my life. Maybe you just need to, to confess to him what he already knows. Maybe you just need to tell him that you've blown it in that first marriage or your second marriage or your third marriage. Or maybe you've been messing up in your relationships. Maybe you've been a bad father. Maybe you've been a bad mother. Maybe you've been a bad son or daughter. Maybe you've been a bad friend. Just tell him that. You need to get it off your chest. He already knows it. Just confess to him what's eating at you right now. And now say, God, in the best way I know how, I want to start over. I want to start over by giving you control of my life where you're leading and I'm following. So now just say to him, God, in the best way I know how, I'm giving you my life. I'm repenting of my past, which means I'm stopping right here. I'm not going any further in the direction I've been going. I'm turning around. I'm going to begin following you. It's not anymore about what I want for my life. It's what you want for my life. And so now confess this to him also. Say, God, I need your courage. I need you to put your spirit and your power in me so that I can live for you. But I give you control of my life. And now just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me and saving me. Jesus, it's in your name that we all pray. Amen. Listen, if you made the decision today to begin following Jesus, will you let us know about it? The way to let us know about it is just take your connection card, the one that we talked about in the video at the beginning of the service, just fill it out, and then somewhere on the front of the back, just write a B on it. During this last song that we're about to sing together, our ushers are going to move to our exits and on your way out. Of course, thank you for leaving your tithes and offerings, but leave that connection card so that we can follow up with you this week and help you take some important next steps in your journey toward following Jesus. I want to say once more, once more, that God loves you. He loves you. You know how I know that? You know how I know He loves you? Because He loves somebody as sorry as me. You don't know what kind of sinner I've been, but I do. And I know that He's forgiven me of my sins and given me a new life and a new way to live. And He doesn't just give that to preachers or people who are going to be preachers. He gives that to all of us. He loves you just as much as He loves me. He loves you just as much as He loves Billy Graham. In the sight of God, all of us are filthy sinners. But if we have Jesus in our lives, when He looks at us, He doesn't see everything we've done wrong. He just sees Jesus in our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about football season. I can't wait for summer camps down at Spartan. I just can't wait. I was listening to Steve Smith, one of our crazy wide receivers who has done some stupid things in his career. Somebody asked him about it the other day. 
know, what would you go back and change? Or what are you hoping for in the future? You know, you only have a couple of years left, maybe. He said, I've had to learn as a man who has grown up a lot. There are two days I can't do anything about yesterday or tomorrow. I can't change anything that I did yesterday. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. Man, that's a biblical truth right there. The truth is, you can't change anything you did yesterday. So in the name of Jesus, let that go. Don't walk out of here today with that guilt and shame in your life. Leave it with Him. Leave that sin burden here. He doesn't want you to carry it. You're not strong enough to. He says that in His Word. You leave that with Him. He says, leave your burden with Me. Take My burden on you. My yoke, My burden. You can carry those. You can't carry yours. I'll carry them for you. That's what He does on the cross. So don't walk out of here with those burdens from sin and shame. Leave those in here. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. But I can tell you who holds tomorrow. Jesus holds tomorrow. And the one that holds tomorrow loves you and He cares about you more than you can imagine. So love Him back. But let Him love you. I love you guys, but more importantly, God loves you. I hope you have a great Father's Day. We're going to sing one last song because there's a bet between David and Cynthia that I'll cut the last song. And so I don't care if it's 1.30, we're doing this last song because I like Cynthia better than David. Now we're going to sing it because it's a great song. And it's a testimony song to the Lord. So let's sing to His greatness. And you have a great day. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Can't wait for next Sunday. See you guys then.